0: Hello beautiful people and welcome back to Life To Meet You. My name is Lavinia and that's the podcast that encourages you to embrace change and look at life experiences as a way to learn, grow and become better versions of yourselves. If you have been enjoying this podcast, please make sure to give it a rate and hit the follow button to stay up to date with all the upcoming episode releases. And if you feel like adding even more mindfulness to your daily life, you can follow me also on Instagram where you will find me at Lamanful Life. That's the platform where I talk about self-love, growth, balance, and my mindful approach to life every single day. When I think back over the past five years of my work journey, the first thing that naturally comes to mind is observing my personal growth and how over time i managed to find balance in my daily work approach if i simply think back at my first day on the job and how little i knew about how the things really function within a company i can help but consider all the behind the scenes, internal and unpredictable dynamics that one can only become aware of once they've entered that company or even that team. And most of all what comes to mind are all those sentences, expressions that everyone keeps repeating as if they were a mantra but deep down might actually not necessarily represent the right approach to work despite what many want you to believe. I'm increasingly convinced that all corporate environments, regardless of differences in sector, in industry, in size, share myths about organization and stereotype about productivity that I've come to recognize over time. And in this episode, i like to debunk some of them together with you. But at this point, you know very well that we cannot start this episode without addressing the question of today, which is what makes you happy today? I have to admit that thinking about the answer to this question excites me a lot. Even though technically I'm asking this question to you, in reality, I'm also asking it to myself. It's a moment for me to slow down, take a deep breath and remind myself that there is something that makes me happy today as well. While I'm sure that you're contemplating your happy thought of the day in the meantime and when you visualize it, don't hesitate to write it in a question box that you'll find at the end of this episode, I'll tell you that this is the year I turn 30. I know it's a big number, and even if i like to tell you that the fact itself of turning 30 is what makes me happy today, let's say that I'm still in a state of some kind of reflection about it, but when it comes to the celebrations, my dearest friends from different parts of Italy will come and spend a long weekend here with me in Munich and they will come all together for the very first time in history. And for me, this is truly an epic event because as the years go by, it's not easy at all to maintain contact with your close friends, let alone meet regularly. But this year is special, this year is different, and I consider myself incredibly lucky, beyond lucky, to be able to celebrate surrounded by some of the people I love the most in the entire world. I still don't know how we will manage with six people and only one bathroom, but I'm sure we'll figure it out, and that weekend will also be the weekend when this episode comes out, so double celebration! But now, tell me more about you. I'm super curious to know where you're listening to this episode from and what you're doing in the meantime. I usually listen to podcasts while I'm commuting, to work or doing grocery shopping and especially during household activities cleaning and things like this uh, which is something that if you listen to the previous episode the number seven about my productivity and time management tips you know that I don't enjoy doing at all well that's the moment of the day I would be most likely to listen to a podcast as well. The day will come I hope when we will debunk this myth too, but for now, let's just stick to those about efficiency and productivity at work tend to be precise, which I'm sure you'll be finding more interesting. Okay, I have to start this episode with my absolute favorite stereotype, which is you must be structured. Ah, this structure, this holy structure, how much it haunted me at the beginning of my career I cannot even explain. There is this tendency to believe that people who are more successful at work and have a better career are also the most structured people. But in my opinion, it's not like that. And it shouldn't be. The reason for me is simple. There is a difference between being structured and being organized. First of all, structure is an aspect of personality, while organization is related to action. While structure is a status, it is something static, someone who is born, so to speak structured, may be facilitated in some aspects of their work, but that's not what makes the real difference. Because a structured person who is not organized will just be a rigid person who will try to fit the assigned work within predetermined parameters, therefore within their own structure. On the other hand, an organized person, even if not necessarily structured, can approach work in a more dynamic and flexible way, which can ultimately help them to manage a larger workload and even reshuffle priorities based on changes, which as you all know, are daily part of any job. So for me, organization wins over structure. Stereotype number two. If you want to be more efficient, take fewer breaks. I have to disagree on this one. And the reason is simple. Our brain consumes energy when we are performing work tasks and uh, It is very important, as it is for our body to stay hydrated by regular drinking water throughout the day, the same is to apply to our mind and we should let our brain to get some rest and some distance from the tasks we are working on by taking breaks. I am a strong supporter of Absolutely having a substantial lunch break in the middle of the working day, at least half an hour, 45 minutes, if not even an hour, if you can afford it. Of course, it depends from case to case, but for me, breaks are a relevant part of the working day. But obviously, it hasn't been always the case. The sentence I used to tell myself when I used to start working in the past was always okay, Lavinia, the sooner you start, the sooner you finish. And you can just close your laptop and do whatever you want. Or hurry up, do it quickly so you can go home earlier today. But what happened in the end was that. These only increase my level of tension and stress in approaching my work tasks and projects. My approach comes without saying that now is completely different, and I definitely start the workday focused and very well concentrated. Work ideally in one-hour blocks and take few short breaks of five to ten minutes between the different hours. Then. I have lunch break usually about 45 minutes and um, in the afternoon I also always take a break of about 20 minutes to make myself a snack. I am like a baby, I have to eat every 2-3 hours and snacking is a big part of my day. Of course, I calculate the dead hours so that my eight hour workday limit is reached, but um, with short breaks in between uh, that allow me to be more focused and give me time to create more balance uh, uh, between uh, work and personal activities. This way, I can give my mind some time to recharge and the result is um, working more productively and efficiently. Next up. The deadline was yesterday. This sentence has always made me smile and if you listen to it at least once, I know you're smiling too in this very moment. It's a constant challenge for anyone working in a company and dealing with project management of any size or to any extent. I mean, how can the deadline for a project or a task be the day before if you come and ask me to do that task on the same day. I know it's an euphemism to clearly convey urgency and priority in relation to that task or that to-do, project, whatever, but if that request is so urgent that it needs to be finished within a day or two, then it means that the request should have arrived earlier to give those who have to perform the tasks, the task time, to finish when it was really due. So this is simply an excuse on behalf of colleagues um, to prioritize and put pressure because the pressure first of all was put on themselves. How to respond to such a request? You might ask. First of all I smile and that's how I make it clear that this is an inappropriate sentence. Secondly, I explain what I'm currently working on and also clarify how many working hours are needed to complete that request. And so when I make it clear how much time it actually takes, then all of a sudden the deadline was no longer yesterday because they realize that there is indeed time um, that the task requires. The next point on the list is something that I very often used to tell myself and it was my initial approach to the workday. In reality, it's an approach I adopted for a long time and at first um, I admit it helped me create a structure and set some rules for myself and I'm referring to duty first and then pleasure. Especially when working from home or at the beginning of someone's career, it can be challenging to establish a work structure and a balance between personal time and work time. And also, especially working from home, getting distracted can be easier and the result can lead to um, a lack of productivity. So what I used to do at the beginning was to dedicate my entire day to work. And then once work was done, focus on all my personal activities. And I'm not questioning uh, this type of approach because this is obviously the traditional approach to work. And it's inevitable if you go every day to the office, right? But uh, with the modern working approach and uh, with uh, remote working or working from home uh, becoming more and more popular, I find uh, um, it easier to create some balance between private time and work time and also a more balanced and healthier approach to the workday overall. So in the past, there was for me no balance. So what I do now, and obviously I am speaking from a privileged position because I can work from home three days per week um, and I only go to the office the remaining two days where obviously I uh, adapt to the more traditional approach. But what I do when I'm at home um, is to incorporate some private activities into my workday to make it more dynamic to create some uh, buckets of time to to rest, to take a break, uh, because mental breaks are very important in this case. And therefore, I um, incorporate uh, my workouts into the workday, for example, using my lunch break uh, and then having a shorter, a reduced amount of time to eat. Uh, Sometimes uh, I might have German class, over lunch time so I try to also create some space for myself because otherwise if I finish work at six uh, it means that I have to do a workout or a German class at seven and uh, most of the time uh, I'm very tired mentally especially and I would end up not doing these private activities which are fundamental for our self and our mental health. Number five, you have to get things done every single day to consider yourself productive. Obviously this statement is somehow true because whenever we start working and we perform our work task we are getting things done we are being productive right uh, so this statement holds in general what i'm referring to is that what happens um, is that we feel the pressure from our managers or our colleagues uh, to be super hyper productive every single day in order to consider that day a meaningful work day and to feel satisfied at the end of the day And this sense of satisfaction, the feeling of having accomplished something significant during the day, obviously is a gratifying feeling that I was myself seeking every single day. I thought it should be that way. But in reality, I was beating myself up so hard at the end of the day if I wouldn't have achieved or finished um, a certain task because I felt that my workday was purposeless, was useless and I was not giving my contribution. In reality over time I realized that this approach can only generate a toxic relationship with work. This sense of luck and unhappiness for not having completed something concrete can create indeed long-term frustration. And the truth is that days dedicated to brainstorming and organization are just as important as the so-called operational days when the program tasks are carried out. And these brainstorming organizational days are probably even more important because they help us plan, generate ideas and create a work architecture that can help us perform the tasks even more efficiently. I must admit, during the workday, I sometimes space out. And initially, I felt so guilty about what was happening because I automatically thought that I was wasting time. I was getting distracted. But over time, I learned to understand myself and focus my attention on these moments of distraction to then understand that they were not moments of time being wasted, but moments when my mind was being creative, generating thoughts, related to what I was working on or related projects and often it was during these moments that I had the best ideas. And this also relates to the approach that we also often hear or at least I often always heard uh, that we shouldn't get distracted during our workday, like never. Of course, I agree in the sense that one cannot spend the workday constantly as answering private messages. For example, this is something I rarely do, uh, or being on the phone, or watching television while working from home, or even staring at the wall. However, I don't think it's right to expect that 100% of the time during a workday, we should be focused on what we are doing. Like, that's not going to happen. It's something unrealistic. First and foremost, work is something that comes from the outside. It's not something innate that we choose to do every day and comes from within. Yes, of course, with all the ifs of the situation, because when we are passionate about what we do, it's something that comes naturally to us. So obviously, we are motivated and we tend to have less distractions compared to tasks or projects we're working on that we're not really passionate or interested about But even with the highest level of motivation, it's very difficult to think that we can maintain a constant focus and concentration for too long. Every now and then during the day, indulging in small moments of diversification, to not use the term distraction, is very healthy because it allows our minds to wander a bit and go to thoughts that are usually. In different directions from what we're doing. And at least for me, it works as an energy boost on one hand, uh, but also allows me to recharge and then return to the task I'm doing in the best possible way, even more focused. What I used to do always before was as soon as I started navigating into other thoughts while working on a task, was to repress these thoughts and. Uh, I would impose myself to keep on doing what I was doing. But now, when I recognize that this thought has the potential to be supportive of my work or can potentially bring me a solution I was looking for, I let myself embrace this thought. So instead of repressing the impulse of our mind simply because we're told that we must be completely focused on one thing let's try to leave a little space, uh, even just a little bit of buffer for other thoughts that can lead us uh, in a healthier and uh, paradoxically more productive direction. Now, if I were to ask you this question, what is perfection for you? How would you answer me? While you think about it, let me tell you how I see it. We start with the assumption that perfection is an extreme ideal. So It lies at the extremes of uh, uh, measurement scales we are taking as example, because on one side, on one extreme, there is the lack of perfection, which is the imperfection, and on the other extreme, there is the perfection, which is our often utopian ideal of what we consider ideally complete, ideally finished, ideally satisfying. On a scale from 1 to 10, perfection is of course a 10, a big round 10. But the concept of perfection varies from person to person. So it is an extreme concept on one hand, but on the other hand is also a relative concept because it's subjective. It would be unrealistic to think that there is a general ideal of perfection. There can be a sharing of certain ideas of perfection but mostly perfection is the result of our vision of a specific topic filter through our experience and through our personality most of the time. So I start from the premise that I firmly believe that perfection is an illusion and something that doesn't truly exist. So you wouldn't find it strange that for me the sentence strive for perfection is extremely toxic. Because it means nothing more than giving 100% to become or achieve the ideal of something we can never truly reach. And which is even most likely an ideal belonging to the perspective of other people. Meaning that the person stating this sentence probably has an idea of perfection different from our own. And when it comes to work we are always told that we should aspire to perfection, conveying the ideal. That everything we do has to be perfect. This is nothing more than handing us the recipe for failure. And it can generate a lot of frustration. Now, my tendency, obviously, today is no longer to approach things I do in general and not only related to the work context with the idea of reaching a perfection stage. Instead, I focus on the quality of what I do. on giving my best, doing what is in my power, and if my abilities are limited, finding new ways to enhance them. Automatically, I noticed a big improvement in my results because the level of anxiety in me working on something has drastically decreased. By focusing more on the journey, I automatically don't always have in mind the final result and don't work anymore through the filter of comparing what I'm doing with what my ideal of perfection and end result is. Overall, my mindset heavily shifted from thinking that there was only one possible way to achieve a positive result to acknowledging that there are different types of results, they can all be positive, but having a different strength or different purpose. This approach also facilitates personal growth because we learn from previous mistakes. And what happens is that surely next time we will be able to create a product that even if it's 1% qualitatively better than before, it's going to be better. So this step-by-step approach Can help you improve and raise the quality of your work over time compared to working for perfection. Point number eight Working over time is a synonym of doing a good job. I hate that. Okay, let's start with this. It's unfair, and I'll tell you why. I'm referring to the approach of going the extra mile all the time to show commitment in our job. And therefore ending up working more hours than those we are paid for. In my opinion this mentality is a big part of that fantastic all-inclusive package that uh, the hustle culture delivered to us today and I want to start by saying that uh, this is an unfair approach because When we work for a company especially, unless the company is ours, we are offering a service to that company. Uh, We are offering our skills and not just our time in exchange of money. And we must not forget that. So it is important and probably necessary time to work extra hours to ensure that deadlines are met and all these great things. However, it cannot be normalized. Otherwise, we would end up entering a loop of being uh, exhausted mentally and physically thinking that only if we give 110, 120% every time we are considered excellent uh, employees. When on the other side, more modern work approach philosophies say actually the opposite, that we should work at about 80% of our capacity so that we can have a buffer and be able to sprint and reach the 100% when necessary and still guarantee optimal work quality without feeling exhausted or pushing ourselves to the limit. Now, have you ever received the recommendation of needing to wake up early to be more productive, it's everywhere. There isn't a YouTube video or a TED talk by a CEO of a certain company that doesn't say that waking up early is the recipe for success. I used to think that I was myself a so-called morning person because I would much rather prefer waking up earlier at six or even 5.45 a.m. So over time, I realized that my body absolutely does not appreciate waking up before 38. My ideal time is actually 8.30, proven and experimented. Sometimes I tried waking up much earlier Uh, Obviously everyone has a range of uh, 30 minutes I would say and uh, we can leverage on that range to um, be more efficient in our day but we shouldn't cross the boundary too much. The reality is that it's up to each and every one of us to understand what time of the day is working best and uh, organize uh, our wake up time uh, following that personal rhythm. If you're more productive in the evening, for example, between six and nine, you shouldn't be waking up at six in the morning because otherwise you wouldn't have enough energy when uh, you would actually need it. So we have reached the end of this list of 10 stereotypes that I wanted to challenge today with the 10th stereotype being a somewhat controversial topic and I'll explain why. We're talking about meritocracy and the belief that by doing an excellent job, promotions are automatically coming your way. This is how things should be and this was also my mindset when I started working for a company obviously when you're studying at university your grades are the result of how much effort you put in most of the time. Naively I thought it would be the same in the corporate world. I'm not saying it's not necessarily but it's not as simple or automatic as one might think. The reason being that in a company there are many dynamics that go beyond one's job especially when money is involved. So I realized that Even if you're doing an excellent job and have proven multiple times that you deserve a raise or a promotion, especially in private companies, you have to be direct, you have to be assertive and fight for them. I think it's normal in a way, also now looking at it from the other side, being a manager, because if there are 10 people on a team, not everyone can get a promotion or a raise at the same time. So distinctions has to be, have to be made in one sense. That's understandable. However, my advice here is that knowing that you are doing an excellent job, don't be shy. Don't wait silently in your corner because that's not going to help. Also, try to be patient and then I'm sure it will come. And that, my beautiful people. Brings us to the end of this episode of Life to Meet You. These were the 10 common stereotypes about efficiency and work that I have encountered the most during my career so far. I hope this episode has given you some food for thought and provided you with additional tools to identify potentially counterproductive, toxic or frustrating behaviors in your work and given you hopefully an extra push to improve your current approach. Everything I've said today, it's all based on my perspective, my personal vision, my career, knowing that everyone's experience is unique and different. Always consider what I've said in the light of your own experience, needs and personal journey. With that being said, I wish you a lovely, lovely day and I will talk to you soon. Ciao!